Yes, more time to compute. Uh, you're tuned to KZYX Philo, 90.7 FM, KZY Will, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio for Mendocino County and beyond, also streaming on the World Wide Web at kzyx.org. Welcome to another edition of Point and Click, where there is more time to compute now that people are at home thanks to COVID and so forth. I'm Bob Lawton. And I'm Jim Jim Hyde on the coast. And support for KZYX comes from our members and Lawrence's located in the 1400 block of downtown Boonville, serving simple food and local wines. Lawrence is open for takeout or counter service with outdoor seating. For more information, lawrencegoodfood.com or 707-895-3869. Hey, good evening, Bob. Good evening, Jim. Well, this is our first show of 2021. It is indeed. We were. Um, I'm getting a little echo somewhere. Is it your cans? Yeah, you think? I'm hearing it somewhere too. Uh, myself, uh, yeah, but I don't know what the source of it is. Oh, okay. I don't, it shouldn't be me. I don't think I have my radio turned up. But it might be me. I don't think it is. <laughs> no. Anyway, we're here. Here, 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 here. Yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Wow. So anyway, welcome to 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first show of 2021, I believe. Our last show was the last Wednesday of 2020, and we were kissing goodbye that last year. (laughs) Good riddance. Saying good riddance. But, uh, well, the new year seems to be just picking up where the old year left off. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stephen Colbert on TV the other night on, uh, you know, the late night comedian said, uh, we thought that 2021 was going to be better, but then 2020 said, hold my year. <laughs> hold my year. Yes, hold my year. So we're off. Here he's, we are. He's pretty funny. I, I just, uh, he's funny and and um, outrageous at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and outraged at the same time, too. Yeah, that too. That too. So, yeah, um, we're here with our first show of 2021. And um, it's no secret that the Internet played a role in last week's events, the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol from the increasingly fiery post-election tweets that came from the president and others to social networking services that the rioters used to stoke each other's anger and, according to some, plan the attack. Yep. And over the last week, we've seen a lot of the fallout. The president banned him from Twitter. Okay. Parlor. A <laughs> wow. And Siri just decided to weigh in on. Welcome to our guest from Siri. Is, is Siri, Siri connecting you to your Parlor account by any chance? <laughs> exactly. Anyway, over the last week, we've seen some of the fallout. The president banned from Twitter. Parlor, the social networking service favored by a lot of um, right-wing extremists, went dark and got hacked. Well, it got, along the way, it got more than just hacked. This was pretty incredible. Um, it's not like they just got in and looked at a couple of posts that had been stored. They, oh, got, no. they got hundreds of terabytes. Of, they pretty much scraped the whole entire site. They downloaded the entire site before it went dark. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that and why it went dark. Yes. And 
talk about some of the accusations of censorship and First, Men- First Amendment violations on the part of technology companies like Twitter and Facebook. We'll talk about all of that stuff and more tonight. But first, we have our tip of this tip, tip of the week. I'll get that out. Yeah. First, we have our tip of the week segment. Toby's tip of the week. In our tip of the week segment, we're joined by Toby Molina from the Point and Click Research Desk. In each show, she brings us a cool tip relating to the web or the internet or the devices that a lot of us carry with us. And I think she's going to talk about the latter today. Toby, welcome. And what do you got this week? Hello, gentlemen. Uh, What I'm going to talk about today is disabling in-app rating requests on your smart devices. Certain apps on your smart devices, your phones, your iPad, whatever, are very needy and are constantly asking you how you like them or to rate them on the app or Play Store. We like to call it nagware. Are you happy with me? If so, say so. Precisely. And there's certain apps that, that throw that request up frequently. It's really annoying, particularly if it's an app you're using for productivity. It's very easy to turn off in-app ratings requests in iOS on both iPhone and iPad. You just go, you go to settings, scroll down to you find iTunes and App Store, and once you click through there, you'll see a switch that's that says in-app ratings and reviews. Turn it off. And with that disabled, you'll no longer be interrupted by any app bugging you to leave a review for them on the App Store. Fantastic. It's slightly more complicated um, for Android. Uh, Some apps offer an option where we can choose to never review the app, but most of them have only two options in the pop-up, either choose yes and then review or rate the app right away, or there's another one that says remind me later. This will make the pop-up come up next time when you open the app. And there's actually a simple hack for avoiding those pop-ups. When the pop-up comes up for the first time and asks for you to review, just click yes. Next, you'll be redirected to the Play Store. Press the back button on your smartphone (laughs) or tablet and close the Play Store. Uh, The point behind doing this is the Play Store doesn't tell the app whether you've reviewed or rated it or not. So the app just rem- the app just remembers that you chose yes right. and won't ask you for a review again. That's a nice and easy ca- and uh, easy hack. Uh, it really, but both of them are really quite simple, and uh, I found really reduces the aggravation of having those pop-ups frequently appear. Of course, if you do have certain apps that you love and are important or useful to you, consider leaving a star rating or a positive review for that app on the App Store or in the Play Store. Sure. Uh, likewise, when you have constructive feedback, it can really help the developer and make it easier for them to fix issues, add missing features, and support their work on the app. Because, of course, in both places, reviews show the store that there's engagement. Sure. Right, which is one reason why they're always nagging you to do it, because if you get a lot of reviews for your app, and hopefully they're positive ones, then more people are likely to see that app when they search for an app on, you know, I need an app on, you know, dog training or whatever it might be. Precisely. Yeah. So 
on the iPhone, very simple. You go to settings, go to iTunes and App Store, turn off the switch for in-app ratings and reviews. A uh, little more complicated on Android. You're basically fooling this, the app into thinking you've reviewed it. If you missed any of the information I just provided, simply do a search for disable in-app ratings requests plus the platform of your choice. And you disable. will find 112,000 uh, hits for how to do that on each platform. Disabling in-app ratings requests and then iPhone or Android or whatever you happen to use. Correct. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, one last question. Um, are you happy with me and would you recommend me to other users? <laughs> Remind me later. Four stars. Solid. <laughs> Out of five? Well, that's not bad. <laughs> I'll strive for that fifth one going forward. Toby Molina from the Point and Click Research Desk. Thank you for our tip of the week. See you next time. Thanks, Toby. Bye -bye. Yeah, um, I've I've been thinking about that, and it reminded me. Um, you know, Kirk McElhern, he does um, a couple of different podcasts, and usually writes yeah. uh, uh, tips and tricks about um, uh, about. Um, you know, we used to be called the iTunes guy, but there's no more iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, in in one of his emails that I got, uh, his. Um, his resolution for the new year was to mute your notifications and i'm gonna have yeah. to sit down and i may have a special report from uh, the uh research desk annex about how to just get some of those annoying like, like there's some um reminders that you or um, notifications that you just don't really need to get every day you already know it but there's other ones yep. that you would miss your dentist appointment if you didn't get your notification you know right. so you have to get um kind of selective about it but i i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna do that this year you know a lot of uh, a lot of you know so-called productivity experts um, talk about that a lot as a way of reducing the distractions that our devices are always trying to introduce into our lives and disrupt our concentration and disrupt our flow. And that is turning off your email programs notifications. Don't have the icon bouncing when an email comes in or don't have it play a little chime or same thing with your phone and, you know, turning off so many different news websites want to provide, you know, notifications of whatever breaking news item there are right. um, and, and they want to optionally play a little sound and there's a lot of stuff you're right it is a great subject for a future tip of the week to kind of customize the way that you get notified so that you don't miss the stuff you don't want to miss but that you won't be distracted by the stuff that you don't really need to see or hear and I think you might actually be able to um be more granular in a particular app like mail. I think you can have it notify you when you get mail from like just only your contacts or something like that, right. you know? Right. And VIPs, you can designate a, a, a person as a VIP so yeah. that you only get notified when your boss or your spouse or some other VIP um, sends you an email or a message. So uh, you're right. There's a lot of, and the same thing with um, the, uh, the um, do not disturb settings that the phones have um, where normally I think they're set up to do the iPhone anyway is like between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. it won't make any beeps blonks or bongs when a call comes in or a message comes in 
but you can override that. You know, you don't want to miss an important call from a family member that might be an emergency in the middle of the night or something. You can turn that. You can customize that too, so that right. get, so that that call will go through or that text message will go through. Those would be good. Uh, but anyway, my uh, New Year's resolution is to get control of my uh, notifications because now they come up on my Apple Watch too, and like. That, right. that can really be distracting, you know? Your wrist is always vibrating. <laughs> yeah, it's just going back and forth. And, and usually it's something, oh, I don't know, like remember to fill the bird feeder or something like that. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's, exactly. it's in the middle of when I'm on a phone call or something, and I don't need to hear it right then, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Crazy. Yeah, customizing notifications, that's a good one. We'll, uh, we'll get that one on the editorial calendar here at Point and Click Radio. Exactly. Well, any, so, yeah, you before um, we went to Toby's uh, report on um, app nags, nagware. <laughs> um, you were talking about the about um, parlor. Yeah, and in general, the past week, um, you know, it's been an eventful one to say the least. And as is often the case these days, as we often co uh, cover on this show, there are angles to the internet and technology that swirl around these current events. Yeah. So we wanted to spend a little time today. We want to take some calls in the, in the second half of the call, uh, um, show, too. So if you've got a nagging computer question or a nagging app well, <laughs> that I, you want to I, run by us. Um, I have a nagging apology to make because I managed to uh, cut us off the air uh, at 10 minutes to the hour <laughs> on our last show back in... Uh, uh, 2020 on December 30th, I think it was, I ac accidentally uh, kicked a wire loose under the board, under the, the desk here in the, in the new Ukiah studio. It's, um, I call it, uh, you know, they're sort of in beta version and there's a lot of loose cables kind of swirling around under the desk as they refine their setup and everything. And, you know, at about, uh, in the home stretch, I took a home stretch here and stuck my legs out <laughs> under the desk and clink everything went off and i valiantly tried to get us back on the air but it was it was a lost cause well we're here now yep. so <laughs> and um and, and we want to try to start out the show with uh with um unpacking a lot of the stuff that uh that, that has happened over the last week from a technological not so much from a political standpoint but from a technological um point um and really a lot of that begins with twitter um, no president has used it as aggressively as Donald Trump has. And in the wake of his defeat in the November election, he used it a lot to allege that the election was rigged or that voting machines were compromised and things like that. As it looked more and more likely that the election results were going to be certified for Joe Biden, his tweets got increasingly fiery with the hashtag and the slogans, stop the steal, becoming really popular. Then the January 6th rally was planned, the same day as Congress was meeting to officially certify the electoral votes that came in from each of the states. And Trump on Twitter was promoting the rally with tweets like, be there, we'll be wild. While all this was going on, the online crowd was getting increasingly agitated on Twitter, on Facebook, and on more obscure but still popular services like Parler. And in the ma aftermath of last week's riot, it has become clear that a lot of extremists used these services to get each other riled up and to at least 
plan the broad outlines of last week's riot. And that last part is going to become clearer, I think, after the uh, as the investigation proceeds. So then came January 6th itself. The riot began, and the Internet, again, was part of the story. Some of the rioters did live streams of the insurrection on DLive, a live streaming video service that has become popular among alt-right and far-right extremists. And at one point, there were nine live streams going on DLive. And the, uh, those accounts have since been suspended. Uh, there were also some reports that rioters were using Twitter and other messaging services during the riot to provide instructions on which streets to take and best ways to avoid police and best uh, approaches to the Capitol building and that sort of thing. As all of this was going on, the president issued some tweets encouraging the crowd not to leave the Capitol, but simply to be peaceful, calling them patriots and saying he loved them. Twitter later removed this tweet along with another one. Then on January 8th, two days after the riot, Twitter banned the president permanently. Permanently. In describing its decision, Twitter wrote, quote, We assessed the two tweets referenced above under our glorification of violence policy, which aims to provide, which aims to prevent the glorification of violence that could inspire others to replicate violent acts and determined that they were highly likely to encourage and inspire people to replicate the criminal acts that took place at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Wow. Banned permanently. Now, around this same time, both the Google and App stores, the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store, removed the Parler app from their online stores. And over the weekend, Parler basically got evicted. Amazon Web Services, which is this giant arm of Amazon that basically provides web hosting services to uh, companies big and small, pulled the rug out and, again, accusing Parler of not um, adequately policing its, um, its, its users' postings and therefore violating Amazon's terms of service. And that caused uh, Parler to go dark. And just today, Reuters um, quoted the CEO of Parler saying Parler may never come back. They're still working on ways to get the service. Yeah, because even even after... um... So, all of this, the banning of... uh, of, uh, of, of the president from Twitter and from Facebook, at least temporarily. Um, the, the removal of the Parler app from the Apple and Google stores, the, um, the eviction of Parler from Amazon Web Services, causing the whole site to go dark, has caused a lot of people to make accusations of um, censorship or of violations of the First Amendment. And um, to the First Amendment point, um, it's just, it's not true. It's not so. The uh, First Amendment reads, begins, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an ab... Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Yep. So, Congress- so it refers to the government. The government can't right. ban a certain kind of speech or a certain religion. Um, 
private companies, though, that have terms, terms of, of service, service. <laughs> that everyone agrees to when they sign up, all that text that you just scroll through and then click the agree button, they are free to do as they, as they please with respect to the content that is posted on their services. So well, it's not a violation of First Amendment rights at all. No, Jim. Just like um, you can't walk into a restaurant without your shirt and without shoes and claim it's free. You're, they're abridging your free speech when they throw you out. <laughs> We reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, a lot of these um, uh, fine lines, you know, they, people talk about things like free speech as if it's occurring in a vacuum. I've heard that phrase a lot this week, you know, these things don't yeah. occur in a vacuum. When people are smashing in the windows of our uh, sacred national capital, you know, sacred to democracy and, and the... Uh, uh, reputation we hold in the world as a as a cradle of democracy you can't talk about abridging somebody's right to free speech especially if it's happening on, over a, a, a private uh, enterprise like like Twitter or even exactly. parlor exactly I think a lot of those same um, people of that uh, those political inclinations talk about the importance of the free market and how the free market should decide government shouldn't decide free the free market should decide well if the free market decides that you can't incite violence online at, you know, using their services and so you kind of you kind of in a way you can't have it both ways that's true one more thing about parlor that i just learned uh you know well since last week when the whole thing came up at the top of the news is the the company was founded by the same uh, family, the father and daughter, the Mercers, who funded Cambridge Analytica. If that uh, name happens, really? yes. If that name happens to ring a bell, yeah, it that whole indeed. that whole company was uh, lifted off the ground with an investment from the Mercers. Wow! And their idea was to be a less regulated form of Twitter. That was their intention from the beginning. Right. Right. And they were. And to be sure. Exactly. And to be sure, there are a lot of people on the, indeed, you would say the vast majority of the audience on the users of services like Parler. We're not saying this is the street you should go up to get the best access to the, um, to the, uh, you know, to, um, to the Capitol building or inciting violence or encouraging violence against uh, lawmakers. Um, but a certainly a measurable percentage or enough that Amazon and Apple and Google were able to say um, and felt it justified in saying that you are not adequately policing the content on your server. You are allowing content that glorifies or encourages violent acts and that is a violation of our terms of service, Apple's, Google's, and Amazon's, and therefore, um, you are you are shut down. the uh, The app is gone, or the site itself, in Amazon's case, is gone. Yeah, and the other thing that you uh, you text me about this uh, these so called security researchers uh, that went out and basically took all of Parler down to the bare metal, pretty much, and, yeah. and uh, were able to 
get all the data off of the Amazon server somehow. I'm not sure how they accomplished it. It was through some weird back door through the registration thing. Some kind of security hole was opened up in the course of Parler being on the way to being shut down. And they were able to download something like 70 terabytes, basically all of Parler. Um, but that includes uh, so-called deleted uh, messages and videos yes. that had been removed. Because I guess when they when you delete your message or uh, take down your video, there's still a copy stored in an archive, even though it's not available to the public. So I guess these researchers just took all this stuff uh, and, and pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're gradually going to be publishing it on the Internet Archive. Um, you can bet that law enforcement agencies are going to be looking at it because there are videos and photos taken with mobile devices, iPhones and Android devices that are therefore geotagged that say, hey, this photo was taken at this time and at this exact location. Right. So, um, it's called the EXIF, E-X-I-F data, and the parlor didn't scrub it from the submissions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. That's that. That's that's going to be a really interesting tool that and controversial to be sure. Tool that's going to be used in the in the post riot um, investigations. Another one is face recognition. Um, there were besides rioters taking and posting photos and videos. Needless to say, the Capitol building has a lot of cameras in it, pointed at the at, at those rooms. Yeah, and there were a lot of press photographers on the scene. So there have been a lot of photos, and a surprising number. The vast majority of rioters, well, what do you know, weren't wearing masks. So. Um, <clears throat> law enforcement agencies are employing, and in, in some cases, even private individuals, kind of, you know, cyber vigilantes, are using facial recognition software to attempt to match the faces to individuals for subsequent prosecution. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, what's also interesting is that, uh, A, they... We're totally unprepared for this uh, storming of the Capitol grounds. And yeah. B, apparently there were a lot of um, people who were fully employed who took time off from work to come to Washington to participate in this, uh, some of whom apparently were in law enforcement or military or other types of uh, security-related occupations. Yeah, that's that. All that scary stuff is going to be. Um, but that's disturbing news. We're going to be learning more about that, I'm sure, yeah. as the as the days and weeks unfold. And it is it is disturbing indeed. Yeah, you know, I just remember that thing they always used to tell us, uh, like in grade school, don't do that. If you do that, we're going to have to spoil it for everybody, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah so um, I'm just thinking about the, the Patriot Act they passed a after 9-11, which really spoiled it for everybody, not just terrorists, <laughs> innocent right. citizens, people yeah, who people from certain targeted countries who were innocent of anything who just wanted to travel internationally and couldn't go on an airplane right yeah right and so in some of the aftermath of this you know there was a um, a couple of days ago there was planned a pro-trump rally at twitter headquarters um, oh in, in san francisco in, yeah in san francisco um but it, as it turns out twice as many people counter protesters appeared as pro-Trump protesters. 
and and uh, I'll share the specific numbers. One person turned up <laughs> protesting for Twitter, and two people showed up. <laughs> oh, that's the twice as many. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and there were thirty cops on on the scene. So so. Um, well, that's that's yes. an appropriate ratio. I, I, that that's that's good. the kind of per- ratio. Perhaps there should have been in the in the uh, at the at the. Uh, at the um, at the Capitol on the sixth, and again, you know, um, in in this show, what we really wanted to do was just kind of lay out the the internet and technological angles behind all of these recent events. Um, whatever side you happen to take, and whatever stance you hope you hopefully you you take, and hopefully it isn't one that involves any kind of violent insurrection, um, no matter what your leanings are. Um, it's just really interesting and telling that, again, this technology, these devices we carry with us, um, these services that, for better or worse, we're connected to day and night, um, are playing such a big role in our lives these days. Yeah, they are. There's a lot of uh, interesting facts behind all of this, you know, and it's how it all sort of weaves its way into our contemporary society is is just really fascinating. But this yeah. has been a historical month so far in a, in a I, lot of I, ways. I look, I, I look forward to the next 11. <laughs> a little, maybe a little less eventful. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I, I don't know. know if I'm optimistic. Well, but I do know. know that it's seven thirty, and that uh, that um, you're listening to Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX and Philo, with Bob Lawton in Ukiah and yours truly, Jim Hyde, on the coast. And we have spent the first half hour on our tip of the week segment with Toby Molina, as well as talking about the um, the technological and internet angles behind the news of the past week. The riot at the Capitol and some of the aftermath thereof. And we're also over KZYZ while it's in Ukiah. That too. That too, yeah. Um, we have a call coming in, so... Oh, cool. We Somebody that knows the phone number, and we can go uh, and bring up the uh, callers. Hi, you're on the air. Uh, let me turn off my, uh, my radio. Uh, Hi, uh, I just asked uh, was speaking about the issue with people on YouTube that surprisingly had a lot of and kind of despite some of the technology behind it, they were called in search of a earth. And uh, very interesting course. You know, just from the kind of the flatter movement and the discord brings people to it, all the things are going on and what leads people out of uh, what I call trumpidity. And, uh, and there's in search of a flat earth on the uh, fairly long time that it takes. You guys still there? Yeah, I'm having, I was having a lot of trouble understanding you. Yeah, um, your connection's really, really bad for some reason. I don't think we understood you. The phone seems to be very blurry sounding. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if it's your cell connection or the Internet misbehaving or what. What's that? It may be your cell connection, your, your cell reception, or... 
Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, just give us a call back. Yeah, I'm still picking up an echo, and the caller was echoing too. So, huh. do, is it? Do you think, Jim? Do you think if I put my, uh, I'm going to put myself on mute on Zoom and see if that just cuts me out? Completely. Oh yeah, you should definitely do that. Yes, try okay. that. Okay, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Can you I hear can't me? Hear you. Now okay. I can't hear you. No, I think uh, <laughs> no, I think it's set up to if I mute, you can't hear me even coming over. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to work on a. Well, at least we're on the air, even if we are having technical difficulties. Uh, we're here. We're navigating the new normal, just like everybody else. Absolutely. I'm going back to the phones. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. I don't know if you guys can hear me any better than before. That's better. Much better. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm from Ukiah. And um, actually, a technical issue that I've had recently when I've tried to call the radio station, I've gotten a uh, message um, that you're, uh, that, that this number is not available to the, your, and call, you know, call, basically call up your, um, cell provider. That's weird. And, uh, so, anyway, um, so it's happened several times when I've tried to call the radio station, and you're in my speed dial, so it's the same number, and I called the, uh, um, I did call my cell phone provider, and they said they tried the number and went, yeah, this is weird. We don't know what's going on. So, anyway. Huh. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, so uh, the, what I was going to get back to was the uh, great YouTube video that I saw, which is called In Search of a Flat Earth. Ooh. And... Um, and just had some really interesting things to say about kind of on the spectrum of from flat eartherism all the way through QAnon and all the way to what's going on now. And just kind of this, this sort of, you know, psychology of people's why, why this is occurring. And one of the very interesting thing was, was how the flat earther movement started by the, the you know, algorithms for YouTube and what led people down some of these paths. Just, uh, fascinating. It's a long YouTube video, but it's uh, well worth watching. In search of a flat Earth. In search of a flat Earth. That sounds really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. very intriguing and very wonderfully articulated. And uh, and uh, I just want to give a shout out. I, I was never a big Schwarzenegger fan, but I really liked his what he said on Twitter. <laughs> anyway. Good luck, guys, and it's very interesting. May we live in interesting times. Well, we're getting our, our money's worth, that's for sure. <laughs> and, <laughs> Hopefully not too interesting. Thank yes. you for that. Yeah. Uh, all right, you folks have a great evening, and sorry I don't have any more computer questions right now. I think, oh, I just discovered my PayPal account got hacked tonight, so I'm having to deal with uh, that. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, thanks for the call. By the way, Jim, have you heard about the guy, I think he's in San Francisco, who has two more tries left? <laughs> on yes. his two million dollars worth of bitcoin is it even more than that is it like 200 million or maybe or it's maybe it's 200 million it's i think he has astronomical amount yeah he has like ten thousand shares or something it's it's a huge amount of money that's in his bitcoin wallet right and only he knows the password and it's on a some secure device that he only gets 10 tries to log into as a security measure or he loses. Well, he doesn't know the password. That's the problem. He's forgotten the password. That's what I mean. He's forgotten the password. 
And to get into your Bitcoin wallet because yeah. it's blockchain and it's decentralized. There's no 800 number that you can call and wait on hold for 20 minutes. The minutes operators are standing by. So no. Because your call is very important to us. There's, there's no one out there who thinks your call is important. No, there, there's no there there. It's just all out in the ether. But this and I think you get, I think you're right. I think you get 10 guesses and he's down, <laughs> he's down his last Boy, two. I would start hiring uh, hypnotists and psychologists and mind readers try to find a vulcan to do a mind a vulcan meld. to do a mind meld yes and get it out <laughs> yeah um i don't hear the echo anymore oh that's interesting you know i made a little i made a little tweak here in zoom and okay because um, the caller was echoing too it wasn't just my mic oh interesting huh yeah um, it might have been my fault because of the all all the weird audio stuff that I've got. Well, and you've got the you've got the Rogue Amiga software running too. Um, yeah, and I just bypassed that, so maybe that's the, maybe uh, that was it. Well, we'll we'll continue to refine things as we go forward. Yeah, boy, I can put my second brain back in its in its box. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. In the meantime, we do have, we do have uh, open phones. Uh, um, I have a call coming in, so let's go to our next caller. Oh, awesome. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hi, uh, my name is uh, Otto, and um, I wanted to talk a bit about the banning of the president and various uh, users on, on Twitter <clears throat> and Facebook. I happen to be an attorney, so I know a little bit about the law. Obviously, it's it's not a First Amendment violation. We know that. But getting to a little bit more of a nuanced thing, I, I'm still somewhat ambivalent um, about these giant, you know, companies who are monopolistic. Whether it's you know, we all know them, you know, Google and Apple and 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 Facebook. I mean, they've all been sued. There's all these you know anti-monopoly uh, types of lawsuits up until uh, when Bush uh, became president. They were going to sue Microsoft to break them up, and then the DOJ even had them, and they decided as soon as Bush you know came in uh, to withdraw that. Um, and there does become a question when something such as, uh, as you know, ubiquitous as you know, Twitter uh, or or Facebook, when they become so big, and they decide because they're privately owned that they want to you know cut people off. Obviously, if you're inciting you know violence, if you're you know KKK members and you're talking about you know this, that's an easy one. But I just for some uh, it just it bothers me in a way, and I. I haven't really quite conceptualized it completely, but we can all think of lots of scenarios where, let's say, you're going to have a, a protest, uh, racial justice uh, protest, and uh, let's say I'm the organizer, and I say, look, it's going to be peaceful, and we've all gone, we're going to take a pledge, no one goes down there, no weapons, no guns, and let's say 100,000 people show up, uh, and you're at the demonstration in Sacramento or something. And unbeknownst to you, some people in the crowd, uh, either because they're outside, you know, agent provocateurs or something happens, and it does become violent. And let's say I'm tweeting in real time. Uh, and unbeknownst, unbeknownst to me on the other side of the Capitol, there's something going on. And I say, hey, come on, people, come on down. This is great. We're having a great protest. Everything's going well. Um, you know, and it's something that that the the companies are also trying to figure out with you know yeah. true statements. And I've had things on Facebook that people said, "Well, this was sound found partially true or political factor." Uh, and sure, they have the right to do it. We we know that, 
But the question becomes then, how far outside of the mainstream uh, of a person's view are you willing to allow to go? And some, and sometimes it's not very easy to, to say. The easy ones, KKK members, and you know, killing people and uh, promoting uh, promoting riots. But um, as we all know from the '60s and the Black Panthers, who were infiltrated by the FBI, usually um, there was a agent provocateur, an FBI agent who started the. Uh, whatever action gave the police the ability to to be able to you know well start shooting, um, so it's, it creates an interesting situation, and I don't think we're in kind of new territory. Yeah, um, and uh, Otto, it's not so easy to figure out. Otto, that question is really interesting. My my question for right now for this, what's going on currently, is why weren't the FBI uh, agents um, infiltrating these uh, right wing groups? To the same well, extent yeah, that they yeah, would do the Black Panthers. I read some articles about a former FBI agent who was with the agency for many years, and he said this has been going on for 25 years. Um, and it happens in the military, and it happens with the police organizations around the country. Uh, it's uh, incredible. Uh, they've been called off. They're, the dogs have been called off by in this administration. But, yeah, it's a huge, huge problem. And, and, well, and even uh, this administration's uh, Homeland Security Department and, and, and intelligence services have issued um, reports and warnings saying that, you know, right-wing extremist uh, terrorist acts were the single greatest domestic terrorism, uh, or the single greatest terrorism threat on in, in the United States. Yeah. Than and, the country. and they have been I mean, even before 9-11. Uh, and yeah. they're squeamish about it. Even the Obama administration, the Civil Rights you know, Division of the DOJ, wasn't particularly uh, aggressive, in my opinion, not aggressive uh, enough, but it was decimated. It was decimated by uh, Bush Jr. Um, it's outrageous. And, of course, we, as we all know, uh, there was lots of signs. This couldn't have been more pred- predicted. Uh, worst intelligence favor- uh, failures since 9-11, whether you want to call that, you know, what they used to call it, siloing, you know, the FBI knows things, NSA, the CIA, um, this was well-known, well-planned. Well, uh, even even when even when Bush came into office, he refused to listen to the advice from, uh, I can't remember the uh, security expert that was trying to inform him, because he's written books about it, but they just refused to listen to um, the warnings about bin Laden specifically. Sure, you know what was the, the famous uh, memo? You know, Osama bin Laden, uh, you know, dedicated or you know, confirming attack on American soil, and nine months later, uh, yeah, and that's kind of a you know a, a different problem altogether. But this one, was, know, it wasn't an intelligence fa- failure. They had all this information. Um, yeah, but to and, the, and, and to you your know, point, the, the censorship issue and and being able to say, I know it's a privately run company. Of course, they can do anything they want. But the question becomes then. Uh, you know how how extreme does your view have to have to be? I mean, imagine someone like Malcolm X saying something like, "We're going to go down the demonstration and we're going to demand justice by any means necessary." Exactly. Now, I know. I'm I'm well aware that that quote is often taken, you know, out of context. But uh, again, you know, it will be wild. Uh, and I'm no fan yeah. of of, uh, of the current administration, the president. Yeah. I think he's just a radical. You know, and, you know, Otto. Uh, at, at any rate. Otto, you're a lawyer. I'm curious. It seems to me that laws come into existence following events, and the law is a fluid process. It's always changing, you know. Laws before the Civil War were different than laws after the Civil War. Um, right. 
you know, laws after the civil rights movement began in the 60s were different. Uh, you know, laws after LBJ left office were different than before LBJ came into office. What do you, what's your take on what's going on now and these, uh, well, you p- p- underscored the fact that these tech companies are giant monopolies. I mean, there's no way that somebody could overtake Facebook or Apple or Google or uh, even maybe Twitter at this point, you know. Right, and and so it's it, you know uh, there's all kinds of issues there with monopolistic power. But if you if there is Twitter, there is, really is no other equivalent to it. So if a person or a board or whoever decides it, a censor or whatever can 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 say, well, we're just not going to let this. We're not going to take. We're going to kick them off the platform. I mean, if that's uh, and as, as strange as Trump was, basically informing the people every day with his you know twenty, fifty, hundred t- tweets a day. Um, but what happens if it comes, you know, again, it's just a troubling situation. Sure, they have the right to do it, but at what point does something become so large and they have such a monopoly that to ban them from it, to, you know, delete their accounts really does on a mass level if you're trying to, uh, you know, communicate with people and organize, say, for social justice, whatever it is. Um, it's a slippery uh, anyway, slope. It's really I mean, it's, it's a... It's a, it's a, it's a definitely a, a slippery slope and a fine line, if I may mix metaphors. Yeah, um, mix metaphors. I mean, yeah. And, and yes, the, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Apples and the Googles, on the one sense, they are, they are quote unquote monopolies. But the fact that we've been talking about Parler in this very show proves that Twitter does not have a monopoly on microblogging and real time exchange of ideas and messages between its members. Sure. Um, and even now sure. with Parler's demise, at least for the time being, there are still other um, uh, microblogging and messaging um, services that um, are much, much smaller, obviously, have a far smaller right. audience, but definitely have a place that can serve as a gathering place for people who want to exchange ideas that may, be, that may sometimes lean toward the violent. So, um, yeah. it's, yeah. I, you know, but, I don't have an answer you know, for the issue, and, and I don't... And, take, you know, Facebook tomorrow, and, you know, and companies will come around, and just like, you know, Ma Bell was a monopoly for, you know, 100 years, uh, and, you know, then you know things change but in the in the here and, and now and of course the ultimate irony is that you know these writers and treasonous seditionists um they're all getting found out and identified because they were doing this stuff so the irony is that had those yeah. accounts been turned off i mean they still would have been found out probably from cell phone videos and and you know pictures and this kind of stuff but it's the live tweeting and facebooking and stuff in real time that is going to be used, you know, to hang them by their own chart, you know. So that is the yeah. ultimate irony, irony in it. So anyway, food for the thought. Thanks for the show. You guys are great. Hey, thanks, it's Otto. All, good to hear from it's you. All, it's all good food. Yeah. Thank you very Bye-bye. much for the call and the, and, the, and the insights, Otto. Yeah, it is. You know what, Jim? Um, what are the two companies that Facebook bought, the big ones that um, they integrated? It's um, Was it Instagram? Instagram and um, What's the, uh, oh, what? the, the chat, um, the big chat. Uh, uh, what is it? Hold on. Let me um, go to the search engine of my choice. Yeah, the search engine of your choice. Anyway, um, Instagram and uh, not my not MySpace. No, what was it? Um, it's not that. No, it's oh, my something. What is, that? what is the big? Is is it? It's not uh, Snapchat. Oh, it wasn't Snapchat. Snapchat. It was Snapchat. Snapchat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, these were threats to Facebook's dominance, and um, 
one of the founders of one of those companies that Facebook bought uh, um, was just uh, lamenting because what Facebook did is they, you know, when they originally bought the company, they promised that they would be siloed, that, the, you know, uh, your information from Instagram would not be shared with Facebook. But now Facebook has revised their their terms so that if you want to continue your Instagram account, you have to give them your cell phone number. And before yes. you didn't do that. And that means when you give them your cell phone number, it goes to Facebook and they can use that to enhance the information they share yeah. with their, with their, um, what do they call them? Their, uh, preferred third party partners, you know, the yes, preferred exactly. partners. And, and actually I got it, I got it wrong. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, Snapchat. It's WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yeah. WhatsApp is yeah. the big, uh, another messaging. one I don't use. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> exactly. But isn't that interesting? And this is the thing that, um, Otto's comment about the, uh, monopolies, you know, Facebook has these two other, um, apps that they bought you know and basically bought them so they wouldn't compete with facebook and now they're getting stitched together so that they would be really hard to separate them if the government decided they want to yeah. you know so it's really a multi-pronged problem we're dealing with the companies are too big the uh monitoring of the content is getting to be almost impossible yeah the um well, I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I heard Kara Swisher interviewed the guy that uh, who was the CEO of Parler uh, a, a week or two before this whole thing started, and you know he was just so so kind and gentle sounding. He was just describing all the freedom of speech. He was you know butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. He was so uh, straightforward about you know their policy of you know well uh, our uh, participants monitor monitor each other. You know I mean in other words they could vote somebody off the island if they felt their their uh, sure. posts weren't uh, yeah good luck with that. <laughs> yeah that doesn't that doesn't work. No. One per, in fact he has said um in an interview that he did with Reuters today and I've heard others say this too that one potential solution to, that is already being used to some degree but will be used a lot more perhaps in the future is artificial intelligence of you know algorithms that monitor incoming content and if something is potentially um um in violation of the terms of service will flag it or remove it in a kind of putting it put it in a kind of a purgatory where it's not entirely deleted but it's put in a in, in a holding area where the person who posted it can 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 defend its existence or not in which case it goes away well it um, should also be reviewed uh you know because you could be quoting somebody as an example of something not to say or you, you know right it's uh, like um, they're always talking about uh, security researchers, you know, doing hacking when, in fact, what they're trying to do is see how vulnerable places are to be sure. hacked. You know, so it's it's uh, hey, I think we got a call. Let me see if I can get this caller on the air. I think we've got time for another caller, too. Okay. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Did you turn your radio down? I did. I just turned it off. Great. Um, so I think it sounds like this is getting back to the basic fundamental question of screen time. How much actual screen time is okay to be able to stay based in reality so that you can make cognitive decisions as a consumer? Um, obviously there's no protections out there no matter which way you go. So, um, 
I just think this goes back to the fundamental basic of how we teach our children and and the way the amount of screen time, the boundaries that we set for us um, uh, to move on uh, sure. from this. Because I don't think AI or or relying on any uh, corporate agency to um, to uh, to to decide what's wrong or right is going to be good in a in a free and possibly free democratic society. I think it just, it starts off with the basic fundamentals of um, screen time. So um, that's my comment. Thank you. That's a good one. I I don't disagree. And I think another big uh, solution, which I don't anticipate is ever going to actually take place, is the de-siloing of news and information. We've become so kind of siloed and bifurcated where if you have one certain political leaning, you get all your news from sites that agree with your viewpoint. Um, If you post on social networking sites like Facebook and Twitter, you tend to follow and agree with and like things from people who share similar viewpoints, whether you're left or right. And as a result, you don't hear opposing viewpoints and you may not you may find you may hear nothing but a stream of untruths that you end up completely accepting like the fact that you know like the like the non-fact that voting machines were tampered that uh you know ballots were thrown into a river and and things like that um so i think or that they were sneaking in and replacing the parts inside the voting machines. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that, yeah, and, and, and there are a lot of people who believe that because the only news that they've heard um, is from sources that report that. And it's very different than when you had a couple of newspapers in a city and you had three networks doing three, news. Three network channels, which, yeah. Which may have been inaccurate or biased in one direction or another, but we're certainly not activist, um, far left or far right. Uh, so yeah. I think a big, another big problem is the, the echo chamber of social media and political, um, uh, politically, um, motivated, uh, news networks and news yeah. sources. That, Jim, uh, it's 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 hard to realize that, but um, our psychological grasp of reality has, for the past five years, been under a kind of an assault. Yeah, yeah you know, so true. Yeah, um, starting with shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue and not losing any supporters. Precisely. Yeah, uh, let's get our last caller in um, for our first show of 2021. Hi, caller, you're on the air. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Oh, uh, thanks for calling in. This, this, yeah, this is uh, democracy at its best when the public can call in and talk, uh, say their word on a on a live radio station like this. It's uh, totally wonderful. A week ago, our nation had a dark cloud hanging over Washington, and today uh, justice uh, has begun. And I'm just I'm thrilled and delighted that uh, there's a little bit of progress there. The current president, Donald Trump. Uh, I, trying not to call him names, so I'm going to say, I'm going to mention about his conduct and his behavior, and that is, it's, it, it is the conduct of a liar, and it's the conduct of a cheat, and the conduct of a criminal, and I think that's how history will remember him. Yeah, and a lot more. I think those are all just tools in this, in this tool bag. I think it goes way beyond just those simple 
identifiable misdeeds. It's um, it's fascism. That's well. You guys are great for uh, you know allowing uh, this topic to, to come up, uh, Jim. I gotta say, I hope you feel and are as healthy as you sound. You absolutely sound fantastic. Ah, oh, thank you. about, and I don't know, maybe you've already brought this up, but it's uh, it's not current new. I mean, it is sort of current, but it's uh, a little off topic for the night. What are the satellite forms? Uh, and I don't know if you've had uh, a chance oh, yes. to really talk much about them. In the March 28th edition of Science News, they go into detail. This has been, what, 10 months ago. Uh, I'd like to read just a couple of, uh, one little list of people who are involved in it. I mean, the article goes into all kinds of details. I mean, they send these things up 60 at a time in the nose of a rocket. Um, starting with SpaceX, here's, here is uh, the details and, and somewhat speculation. SpaceX, uh, SpaceX ha- will be sending up to 42,000 of these little satellites. Are these the shoebox satellites, so-called? Yeah, for the, uh, for the uh, you know, Starlink. They're marketed as, as uh, broadening the Internet connection on the Earth. There's a lot of controversy around these um, low-Earth orbiting um, Internet services that have some really great potential to bring the Internet into even fast Internet into areas like ours. Um, it's definitely a, a subject for a future show. Because it is. We got big yeah. downsides to them. Hey, thanks for the call. We got a sprint. Yeah, yeah I'm going to hang up. Uh, thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I hear uh, bongos in the east. <laughs> <laughs> and the thunder. Of satellite. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jim. My pleasure, Bob. Good to see you again. Yeah, always. we managed to stay on the air for the whole hour. <laughs> That's always good news. <laughs> We're off to a good start in 2021. Yes, absolutely. And we'll have to continue to stay on top of this topic. It's just interesting how how all this stuff suddenly came bubbling up. There's yeah. a lot of technological aspect to it, and we will keep you folks informed. Good night. Good night.